today's scripture reading is Job chapter 31, verses 13 through 28. If I have rejected the cause of my manservant or my maidservant, when they bought, brought a complaint against me, what then shall I do when God rises up? When he makes inquiry, what shall I answer him? Did not he who made me in the womb make him? And did not one fashion us in the womb? If I've withheld anything that the poor desired, or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail, or have eaten my morsel alone, and the fatherless has not eaten of it. For from my youth the fatherless grew up with me as with a father, and from my mother's womb I guided the widow. If I have seen anyone perish for lack of clothing, or the needy without covering, if his body has not blessed me, and if he was not warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have raised my hand against the fatherless because I saw my help in the gate, then let my shoulder blade fall from my shoulder and let my arm be broken from its socket. For I was in terror of calamity from God and I could not have faced his majesty. If I've made gold my trust or have called fine gold my confidence, if I have rejoiced because my wealth was abundant or because my hand had found much, if I've looked at the sun when it shone or the moon moving in splendor and my heart has been secretly enticed and my mouth has kissed my hand, this also would be an iniquity to be punished by the judges, for I would have been false to God above. The word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. And uh, I've gotten used to preaching to a camera, um, which is weird. I never thought I would do that. But now we have people in the room. And so, uh, kids, if you're playing at home, this is where there are fill-in-the-blank sermon notes here uh, for the kids. And if you do them, and we should email these out, Mike. We'll get them out to the, the kids who are also at home. You fill those in, you get a prize uh, at the end. Adults, the prize is just being, being here. And getting to listen to this sermon is the ultimate prize. You're winning. Okay. So this is the last in our series that we've been doing um, this summer, ever since Memorial Day uh, and the killing of George Floyd, about biblical justice. And we did this series because, um, you know, I would say that, that following, uh, following that fateful day, May 25th, um, which also happens to be uh, my birthday, um, there's been a general kind of social awakening around issues of justice. Some might even call it, to uh, steal the words of the journalist Matt Iglesias, a great awakening. And so as Christians living in this particular cultural moment, our first order of business when it comes to issues of justice is to turn again to Scripture to see what God's Word has to say. And I hope over these few weeks, if you've been paying attention, it's become abundantly clear that they, the Bible is a deep, deep well from which we can drink when it comes to thirsting for justice and for righteousness. Just this past week, uh, Representative John Lewis of Georgia was laid to rest, and Lewis was truly an iconic figure in the American Civil Rights Movement um, as he led the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, or SNCC. And he worked to end legal discrimination against black people in terms of employment, in terms of housing, in terms of public accommodations, to extend uh, access to the ballot box and, and the franchise. And so his successes in transforming this country, they cannot be overstated. We are a far more just and equal society today because of the work of John Lewis, work that was inspired by his Christian faith. 
by his vision of the beloved community that was so beautifully articulated by Martin Luther King Jr., which is based in Christian principles, Christian principles of nonviolent resistance. And so we, American Christians, of all stripes, of all colors, of all ethnicities, one of the great gifts that we have in this country is that we are heirs, heirs of a theological and ecclesiastical tradition of biblical justice that has emerged from the struggle of black Americans for freedom, justice, and equality over the centuries. And so now it's time we have the opportunity to familiarize ourselves with those resources again. To not just let them sit in history books or sit on the shelves, but in the words of the, the, the Reformation is always ad fontes, back to the sources. Back to the sources. And so while, you know, the likes of Robin DiAngelo or Ibram X. Kendi will top the bestseller list, and I would never discourage anyone from familiarizing themselves with, with prominent voices in the contemporary discourse. As Christian people, we would be committing a grave injustice, a grave injustice if we didn't also acquaint ourselves with the essential writings of black Christians from Frederick Douglass to, to David Walker. If you want to read a, a radical piece of, of, of theological, a, a literal Jeremiah, David Walker and his appeal, Ida Wells Barnett, uh, W.B.E.B. Du Bois, MLK, John Lewis, John Perkins. And many of these writings are free, free on the internet. And so we are without excuse. And so all that to say, I hope it's become obvious by now that the question isn't, should Christians work for justice, but how should we do so? That we should do so is obvious from Scripture. And our passage from Job today, the book of Job, is actually one of the most important when it comes to summarizing biblical ethics. And there are four things I want to draw our attention to as we think about how to do justice. So first, when we look at Job's life and think about how to do justice, we need to understand that justice was central to Job's life. Justice was central to Job's life. Our, first, our, our passage here is, is Job's final appeal to his friends, and he's defending himself against the charges that they've leveled against him, that he must be suffering this terrible calamity and loss because he did something wrong, because he had been unrighteous or unfaithful. And so central to Job's self-defense of his own right standing before God is that he has, in fact, acted justly, especially towards uh, what we've called the quartet of the vulnerable, the orphan, the widow, the immigrant, the poor. And earlier in Job's self-defense, in, in chapter 29, when he's remembering, he remembers the good old days before he had lost almost everything, before he had been practically wiped out. He says, back in those days when my steps were washed with butter, and what a beautiful expression of, of the salad days, when my steps were washed with butter and rocks poured out for me streams of oil. Back in those days, Job said, I put on righteousness and it clothed me. My justice was like a robe and a turban. And so Timothy Keller says that what Job is talking about here is that he had a social consciousness that infused his daily life as completely as his clothing covered his body. He shared his money and his food with the poor. He cared for the blind, crippled, and poor widow. He was also a legal advocate for the immigrant and the orphan. So there we see that, that, that justice was central to Job's life. But this leads to my next point. Not only was justice central to Job's life, Job's vision for justice was comprehensive. Job's vision for justice was comprehensive. Just look at all the ground that gets covered in our passage alone. 
Job says that, he, that, 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 that he's, he cared for the cause, which is in Hebrew literally the justice. He cared for the cause of his manservant or his maidservant. And Job has this radical notion of equality with his own servants that is rooted in the fact that both were formed by God in the womb. He says that he has concerned himself with the desires of the poor, which isn't just meeting basic needs, but actually the word that gets used there for desires is the delights of the poor. So not just meeting their basic needs, but the things that would make the life of any person, especially a poor person, a delight. He talks about sharing food from his table and the wool from his own flocks. And so clearly this is about much more than just charity. He is deeply involved in the lives of the poor and the needy. In fact, Job is far more concerned with the well-being of the vulnerable in society than finding security in his own wealth and resources. That's what we see in verses 24 to 28 where he says, If I have made gold my trust, or called fine gold my confidence, etc., etc. You know, that in and of itself, he says, if I had found my identity, my security, my value in those things, that in and of itself would have been an iniquity, a sin, and you could rightfully condemn me if I had done that. He says, if I could have done that, then my friends would be right in saying that I am just getting my just desserts. And so what can we learn from, from the comprehensiveness of Job's vision for justice? And I think it's that we ought to have a 3D vision for justice, see justice in three dimensions, three aspects. And so first, justice concerns meeting people's basic immediate needs, like food, medical care, clothing, safety, housing. In, 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 in the saying which I've brought up before, which we all know, this is about giving a man a fish. You got to meet people's immediate needs. Now, second, so it means meeting immediate needs. Second, it means also uh, 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 development. So this means we help people develop their own capacity so they can fulfill their own human potential. It's moving from dependency to development. And this means that we seek to give each and every human life dignity. And so development is about education. It's about recreation. It's about empowering entrepreneurship. It's about family. It's about culture. It's about infrastructure. It's about maintaining the order and safety of public spaces so that people can enjoy them and, and, and be free to live their lives. And when it comes to development, uh, uh, the black American uh, Christian theologian John Perkins has written voluminously. He's literally written the book on Christian community development and the role that Christians and churches have to play in developing uh, the public square. And so development, you know, we say uh, aid and relief, that's about giving a man a fish. Uh, development is about teaching a man to fish. And then lastly, a comprehensive vision for justice is about advocacy. And advocacy is, is ultimately, honestly, where things seem to get tricky because advocacy is, is, is political. And so as such, I think advocacy requires humility. We could take Things like, you know, think about what does justice mean and education. Well, some will say, you know, the Minneapolis public schools and their comprehensive district design, uh, they're trying to bring about equity. So this is the policy that we should advocate for and implement because that is going to bring greater, greater justice in educational opportunities and outcomes. And other people will say, no, 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 that's not the answer at all. In fact, what we need to do is empower people, school choice, give them money, resources, and freedom to go to school wherever they want to. Now, who's right? That's a matter of discussion and debate. 
Or think about public safety and the police. Some say we should defund. Some say we should abolish. Some say we should reform. Some say we should increase the number of police we have. And so we all want the same things, better school, better public safety, better interactions between the police and and, and the community. But how we get those things is not easy. There is no one Christian answer. But advocacy matters. And Job himself, he, he was a legal advocate for the quartet of the oppressed. And so justice, if we were to say this, it includes advocating for, for laws and policies and regulations and norms. So, you know, we're, we're t- giving someone a fish. We're teaching them the fish. Advocacy is about making sure there's actually some fish in the lake for people to catch and the water's not polluted or overfished or something like that. So justice was central to Job's life. His vision for justice was comprehensive, and Job understood justice as central and comprehensive aspects of not just how he lived in society, but of his relationship to God. So Job understood justice as central and comprehensive aspects of his relationship to God. And the point is simple, and it cannot be repeated enough. We should never pit good works and faith in God against one another. Which leads me to my last point, that we should never either pit evangelism and doing justice against one another either. And sadly, this is a temptation that we see uh, rear its head in the contemporary church. Justice and evangelism should never be seen as in conflict or conflated, but always complementing one another. Because some people will say, well, you should do justice. The reason to do it is primarily um, it, it, it is a prelude to evangelism. It's a means to an end. We want to preach the gospel, so first we're going to do justice. And so along this line of thinking, deeds of compassion, mercy, and justice should only be done to get people warmed up so that you can witness to them. Justice is the means. Evangelism is the end. We once went on a church ski trip Uh, where we stayed at this uh, Bible camp because it was the cheapest place to stay closest uh, to the ski hill. And um, when you were staying there, though, the catch was you could stay there, it was cheap, and they would feed you breakfast, but then you had to listen to them um, preach to you as you were eating your breakfast. And it was really weird. It was a strange, it was a strangely unsettling experience. There was, it was very transactional. It felt, and I, you know, I'm like, yeah, I believe what you're saying. It felt icky. It felt icky. It was weird. Now, others would conflate evangelism and justice work such that the claim is that doing justice and sharing the gospel are one and the same. Think of the saying, it's apocryphal. St. Francis of Assisi never said this, but people say he said it. So that sort of matters. But, you know, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. I remember seeing this quoted in, in, in my college paper, the Minnesota Daily. Um, as a critique of, of people who were using words when sharing the gospel. And it seems for those who love this quote that such words are seldom, if ever, necessary. But instead of justice and evangelism being in conflict or conflated, we must understand how they always complement one another. And here's, here, here's how. For starters, when you believe the gospel, when you put your trust in Jesus, you get a heart for the poor because Jesus had a heart for the poor. And second, doing justice certainly does make people more interested in listening to the gospel. It makes it more credible. Because when we walk the talk, people might be interested in what that talk actually is. And I close with this. The Roman Emperor Julian, he was called Julian the Apostate. 
Because after Christianity had kind of uh, swelled in the Roman Empire, uh, Julian tried to reinstate paganism. Um, and so he was working against, uh, against the church. And he hated Christianity, but he understood how the generosity of Christians toward all the poor had made it so attractive. And so in the fourth century, he wrote this as he was imploring the pagan priest to do a better job. He said this, he said, nothing has contributed to the progress of the superstitions of the Christians as their charity to strangers. The impious Galileans, what a great title for Christians, the impious Galileans provide not only for their own poor, but for ours as well. Now, might the same be said of us in our own time and in our own place as we love mercy and do justice in Jesus' name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please pray with me. Lord God, we thank you that your word is replete with examples of how, of how justice can be central to us, how it can cover every aspect of our lives and our existence. And God, in, in courage, faith, and humility, empower us to, to advocate for those things in our lives as well. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen.